0: you have your Bibles go over to Matthew 13 that's where we will start and uh, jump off from Matthew 13 scripture that Patrick read for us this morning about this kingdom of heaven comparison that Jesus makes about a man who sowed some good seed in a field and but while the man was sleeping what happens his enemy comes and he sows tares also among the wheat and goes away. God kind of gives you his plan and the enemy's plan in this little parable. Here's my plan. I'm going to sow good seed in the field. Here's the enemy's plan. He's going to come and he's going to sow tares among the wheat, and you can't tell the difference. I think the reason I chose this to jump off from about kingdom principles and living a kingdom life, because we've been talking about being like Jesus, and if Jesus and God rule our lives, then how are we to live? Then... Verse 30, when he says, allow both to grow together until the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, I'll say to the reapers, first gather the tares, bind them in bundles, burn them up, but gather the wheat into my barn. So before maturity, you can't tell the difference between these two. And even though they want to go out there and they want to pull them out, Jesus says, or Jesus tells the the parable of, of these slaves wanting to go pull them out. And he says, no, don't do that because... You can't tell the difference there in verse 29. While you're gathering up the tares, you might root up the wheat at the same time. Leave them alone. When they come to maturity, God will separate them out. God is going to ultimately figure out whose is whose and whose is his. And we don't really have to actually worry about that so much. God says, I'll take care of that in the end. You do what you need to do. You live how you need to live. And let me take care of this at the end because you can't really tell anyway until maturity. Let me take care of that. Which leads me to kingdom principles and how I'm supposed to live my life leads me to Matthew 6. So go over to Matthew 6, where we're going to spend the rest of this morning. Because before we get to maturity, and of course we're all striving for that, but it's going to be a lifelong process, isn't it? In fact, I probably will die before I ever reach that maturity. It's ongoing. Ongoing process, yes. Everybody is, is constantly growing, or should be constantly growing in the Lord. We should always be growing and maturing and learning. Matthew 6, I think, gives me some good kingdom principles for this living, for this learning. And I just want to walk through that chapter with you this morning and then get to the, hopefully, takeaway point for you. One of the many takeaway points, maybe, as we go through this. So, read with me the first couple of verses here, verses 1 through 4 of Matthew 6. I have the NASB version up on the screen, so if you want to follow along there... Feel free. If not, follow along in your Bible. He says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be honored by men. truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving will be in secret, and your Father, who sees what is done in secret... Will reward you this first section of kingdom principles kingdom living I think this this tiny little box here can be broken up even further to talk about reward here he's saying you want a reward from men well here's how you do it give in the streets and trumpet it make sure everybody knows how much you're giving and you'll get a reward it'll be from men and you'll get it almost immediately but that's all you're going to get. You want a better reward, don't worry about the praise from men. Don't even worry about what your right hand is doing, your left hand. Just give in secret because who are you really trying to impress here? Well, the person I'm really trying to impress with my kingdom life is who? Fill in that blank for me. God, Christ. I'm not trying to impress Carl. I can't impress Carl anyway. I've tried so many times. I can't impress him. But even if I could, it doesn't do me any good, does it? Maybe briefly, Carl might like me a little bit more. But that's all I get. That's my reward right there. But when I am giving in secret and I'm doing what God is saying here, when I am learning and, and, and living a life that is is giving to God and saying, I don't really care about my reward here on earth. What I'm doing is I'm laying up treasures in heaven. Then my reward is going to be from God. And, and this first section here... Kind of gives me an outward sign here of this is an outward principle of kingdom living, because I'm giving, and he says don't give you know and trumpet it. So I'm, I'm I'm giving outward here of myself. I'm giving something to the poor, someone who needs some help here. Just to boil it down to something simple, I'm giving to the poor. It's an outward thing that I'm doing in my kingdom principle life. But if I do it for your praise, I've got my praise and that's it. But if I do it for God's praise then that kind of praise lasts eternally. And it actually benefits me spiritually. The kingdom principle here for me is this outward show of of doing something good. You don't necessarily need to know that I did something good. I could do something good in secret because I'm not really up for your review. I'm up for God's review. When we hand those those little bags that we have here, those blessing bags, when you give those to somebody on the street corner, nobody else needs to know about it. If we do, if we find out about it, great. But but that's not why you're doing it. You're doing it to bless that person. And that kind of a blessing, it pays twofold. Number one, you bless them, but you're also being blessed by that giving. And God sees what you do. God sees you living this, this kingdom life. So there's an outward part of this kingdom-principled life where we're going to be out in the world. We're going to be giving. We're going to be, be working. We're going to be dealing with people. And God says, here's how you live a kingdom-principled life in your giving, in your, in your service to others here. Don't do it for the praise of men. Do it for me. Here's the second half, a more upward view. Now listen to these. In the 5 through 6 and 7 through 15, I see an upward view here of our principled kingdom life. He says, when you pray, you're not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. Now that's similar to the admonition he just gave, isn't it? So even in this upward motive of, of kingdom life, because I'm, I'm praying to God, so I'm, I'm focusing upward, or I should be, in this upward focus, this person is, is not completely upward focused, they're outward focused at the same time. So I'm pretending to be upward focused, or I'm I'm confusing my upward focus with your praise, and... This person's going to get, like you said before, with the money, you're going to get your reward in full. And if you're praying for the praise of men, you're going to get your reward in full again. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, pray to your father who's in secret, and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Again, a similar idea of the outward or inward here and upward. So this is this is not giving to the poor here, so I'm, I'm not necessarily showing it off here, but here you can show off something that should be pretty simple and pretty personal between you and God, praying. Has anybody stood on the street corner and prayed for the praise of men? No? Every once in a while, we might, some, some guys might get up here and pray for the praise of men. We might use the right these and thous and, and try to sound spiritual. I don't know if you've ever fallen into that trap. Trying to sound more spiritual than you really are, or maybe we get up here and and we're we're hoping we are our prayers are noticed. Well, I hope we don't fall into that category. I don't ever want to fall into that category because that is the outward version of the upward version. Here, we should be pointing our heads upward here instead. We're we're looking out and hoping you notice. My prayers, but upward here, this kingdom principle. Now, the second half of that kingdom principle, 7 through 15, again, it has an upward focus. But notice now he shifts to before he says, okay, you either get this or this. You've you've had your reward in full or you will be rewarded by our father. And here he brings in the rewarder himself. And when you're praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. When you look at that, that section there, when you, when you look at what the center of this is, I think the center of this section is when he says, give us this day our daily bread. He's talking about prayer. He's talking about the Father knows what you need before you even ask him. He's talking about being rewarded. and Father will not forgive your transgressions if you don't forgive others. The center of this is that please sustain me with, with you. I'm going to require and and rely on you for my everyday needs. That's what you're saying here in in the middle of this section. But what's also in the middle of this section is the bread of life and the bread that the bread of life gives. The sustainer and the the bread himself is is in this section here. So this upward focus, this this section of 7 through 15, he's saying, here is your upward focus, here is your reward, and here is the one who rewards you. I am the bread of life, and I'm going to give you what you need every day. Don't look to men for praise for what you need. Don't look outside of me for what you need. I am the one that you need, and I am going to sustain you every day. So we can have the outward focus, we can have the upward focus, and then he shifts here, I think, along that same line of thought from... Matthew 16 through 18, and he goes to another focus. He says, whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men when they're fasting. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. Again, a similar thought. But when you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that your fasting will not be noticed by men but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now here's an inward, more inward-focused kingdom principle. This is something that I'm not going to be doing at all for the praise of men. I'm not, you, you shouldn't probably even notice that I'm fasting. He's saying, don't, don't, don't worry about other people knowing. Wash your face. Look like, look normal when you're fasting. Don't go for the praise of men. This is an inward-focused principle here, and he's saying that the bread of life, back there in seven through fifteen, is going to sustain you. Don't look for the outward praise again of men. Look for the inward praise of God and his sustaining you and his rewarding you. And you notice that, that in both sections, the 1 through 4, and then this section 16 through 18, he mentions a lot about rewards. A lot of times, maybe we don't have reward-focused lifestyles, but God is saying, I will reward you, I, I, and I want that reward. Do you want that reward? Yes. I would love yes. to be rewarded by my heavenly Father. I think that's a good reward to to want. I would love to hear those words, "Welcome, my good and faithful servant." That that'd be reward enough for me right there. And if if, if eternity with Him is just reward, that just give me that. But I would rather have His rewards than the rewards of men. And that's what He's saying here. Look. uh, One through four and then 16 through 18, there's rewards here. And right in the middle of that section is the one who rewards you, the one who sustains you. This is the one who gives you those two things. But you can either have an outward focus in your reward or you can have an inward focus in your reward. One is going to pay dividends and one is going to pay quickly and then have a stopping point. That's a principle of kingdom living. So when you take all of those things in there and you say, okay, well, 1 through 18, he's talking about rewards. He's talking about inward and outward focus of rewards. And he's talking about himself being that bread, the daily bread, and the one that will sustain us. He's the one that gives us those rewards. The rest of that chapter, I also see him saying, if you want to live a kingdom-principled life, here's some other things. Here's some ways to focus on the inward me focus, Jesus focus, God focus, and to stop focusing on the outward. Here's the A, B, A in my opinion here. The rewards outward, rewards inward, and our daily rewarder and sustainer upward in that middle section. He's trying to get us to see him. Always. We always need to see Jesus. At Hebrews chapter 12, right? The author and perfecter of faith. We have our eyes fixed on him who has led the way, that pioneer of faith. This is the one that we fix our eyes on. And here again he says, here's how you fix your eyes on me. Here's how you live a kingdom-principled life, 19 through 21. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in or steal for where your treasure is, what? There's your heart. Pretty simple. He's saying, kingdom principle here is you have a single heart. A single purpose heart for me. A single heart for me. You don't divide your heart up into whatever here is that that you find fascinating. You don't lay up your treasures here because they will go away. Or you will go away before your treasures have a chance to go away. Like that rich man building those barns. He dies... It's still there, but he, he doesn't benefit at all from it. What good does it do it? You fool. Single heart. Jesus is saying in this principle of kingdom living, you have a single heart. How many of you have a single heart for Jesus? Have one purpose for him. Aren't divided by entertainment or family or friends or anything else getting in the way of Jesus. I am singly purposed for you. I have a desire for you, period. We need to have a single heart in this kingdom-principled life. The second thing here is goes on and says, 22 and 23, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if the eye is clear, the whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Single heart and single vision. What do I see? What do you see? We see Jesus, we see God, a kingdom principled life, a life lived by kingdom principles has a vision that sees that author and perfecter of faith who is watching the pioneer of our faith go before us and move before us and lead the way. That's that single vision that Jesus is talking about. And here's a big one, 24 through the end of that chapter. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one, love the other, or he will be devoted to the one, despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life, as to what you will eat, what you will drink, nor for the body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth more than they? And you, of who... And who of you could be be worried, being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all of his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow was thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. Do not worry then saying, what will we eat or what will we drink? What will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly father knows that you need all these things, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Isn't that the truth? Yeah, Portia was asking me today how my week was, and I, I kind of answered her with a, eh, you know. And I, she kind of nodded knowingly, kind of, you, you know what, eh, kind of a, eh, week. I'm glad this week's over, and I'm looking forward to a, a new start. I want to kind of get on with, because last week was, eh. Every day has enough trouble of its own, that is so true. I don't need to cause any more trouble then it's already going to come around the block, you know. Day has enough trouble of its own. This is Jesus saying, you need to be of single service and single thought here. Single service and single thought. You can't serve anybody else here. You either serve me or you serve wealth or you serve this or you serve that. But you don't serve me and that. You've got to make a choice. We have to make a choice in the kingdom life to serve God and God only. To walk with Jesus and walk with him only. There's no back and forth here in, 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 this, in this life. He's saying, this single service that I'm asking you to do is, is paramount and it's doable. But I need you to commit to me and thought. He says, don't worry about these things. Don't worry about this or that. Don't, don't worry about these categories of things. I want you to be focused on me and let me take care of the incidentals around you. Which happen to be essentials around you. Some of these are essentials, eating, some wearing of clothes. That's pretty essential. But he says, hey, think about me. Put your thoughts on me. In fact, when you look at this chapter and I look at the kingdom principles, when I look at you know, single heart, single service, single thought, and single vision, all of these things, it all is summed up in that verse 33. When you get down to verse 33, this is Jesus kind of summing up the entire chapter of outward and upward and inward thought, single heart, single vision, single service and thought, and he's saying to the to the everybody here, this is this is the single purpose here. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. It's a very simple verse, but it really sums up the rest of that chapter to me at least, doesn't it? He's saying you got to have the right priorities in kingdom living. You got to have the right priorities. You got to put me first, and I'm going to ask you to put me first in everything, and all the time, in every way. Yeah, just everything. It's it's simple. Just put me first in everything. God given priorities in its place. I remember reading uh, the screw tape letters and and talking about sin and talking about pleasures and. You know, taking anything beyond its God-given boundaries becomes sin. You know, even like sex. Sex is good within the confines of, confines of marriage. You take those things beyond its God-given roles, and they become bad. And not only do they become bad, but they become something that human beings have to do more and more and more to get the same amount of pleasure in. And we just keep keep wanting more and wanting more and wanting more. Have you ever noticed that when, you, when you're when latched on to something bad? For example, like drugs, you never get that same first high that you got when you first did it. You've got to keep getting more and more. You get more and more drawn into it because you that's that ever-increasing desire for an ever-diminishing return. That's the way the enemy works. He always, we have this ever-increasing desire for something that keeps getting less and less Fruitful, less and less return, but our desire just increases. God says, No, that's that's the opposite of the good. That's the opposite of the single vision, single heart, single thought, and single service. You're focusing on the outward here, and I'm asking you to focus on the inward here. It's like what Paul does. That verse, or that, that word seek there, when Jesus says seek, that means to learn something. So literally, he's saying, But learn me. Learn me. Learn what it is. By careful investigation, I want you to seek me. That's careful investigation is this seeking. That's kind of how Paul learned to be content. He investigated that stuff. It's a learned process. And Jesus is also saying, learning to seek these kingdom principles and learning to to live with this single thought, single vision, single service in heart, all of this stuff, it's a learning process. You're going to start and you're going to keep doing it and doing it and doing it. It's this present imperative in this verse. It's actually a command. He's saying, this is my command to you. Do this and keep on doing this. Keep on seeking. Keep on learning. Keep on investigating me. But what's interesting is I think Jesus doesn't say, this is all by your power, Robert. You have to do this all by yourself. You have to seek all by yourself. You're going to get there. I don't think he's saying you are going to get there by yourself. He's saying, I'm going to help you get there. I'm going to work with you. I'm going to work in you. I'm going to help you get to this point where you can live this principled kingdom life. Because look over in in the book of Colossians where you see the opposite of this kind of a life. Jesus is not saying your own power is going to get you here. Quite frankly, we don't have enough power to get there. And Paul, in his letter to the Colossians, Colossian, Colossian church, <clears throat> chapter 2, is, is trying to warn them as well about trying to get there by doing things that, that they can do to, to make themselves more spiritual, more um, feel, feel like they're, they're reaching God more. I'm going to start in verse 16, go to the end of that chapter. He says, therefore, let no one act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival or new moon or Sabbath day. Things which are a shadow of what is to come. But the substance belongs to Christ. The body belongs to Christ. You literally can't add anything to Jesus to make him better. He's perfect by himself. He's He's everything we need by himself. And I think in Matthew 6, he's also saying, I am that bread. You don't need more than me, but you need me. If you want to have that single service, that single vision, that single heart, and that single uh, attitude here. Verse 18, let no one keep defrauding you of your prize by delighting in self-abasement. Harshly treating the body there. Worship of angels taking a stand on visions he has seen, inflated without cause by his fleshly mind. All the things that you can come up with in this world, all the things that I can dream up with, all the self-abasement I could do, amount to zero. Because in verse 19 he says, when you do these things, what are you not doing? You've let go of the head. And you've grabbed onto these things that don't. They have that outward show of of religion. They have that outward show of I am spiritual, but they don't have the inward parts that are so desperately needed. Not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body being supplied and held together by the joints and ligaments grows with the growth which is from God. That growth that we enjoy and the growth that we're going to get is from Him. He's going to cause us to grow. If you've died with Christ to the elementary principles of the world, why? As if you were living in the world, do you submit yourself to decrees such as do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, which all refer refer to things destined to perish with the using. Again, here's that idea of don't lay up your, for yourself treasures here on earth because they're going to be gone. These things are also going to be gone. In accordance with the commandments and teachings of men, these are matters which have what? To be sure, the appearance of wisdom in self-made religion, self-abasement, severe treatment of the body, but are of no value against fleshly indulgence no value at all you're not going to get there on your own you're not going to be um, you're not going to get there by asceticism i'm not going to get there by beating my body i'm not going to get there by by simply denying myself what i think is wrong and and that's it and letting go of the head of head christ and letting go of his spirit that works in me powerfully By dying daily is how I'm going to do this. By dying to myself daily, I'm going to be doing this. By being led by the Spirit, I'm going to do this. By being filled by the Spirit, I'm going to do this. But not by my own power. Not by my own will. And I think that's part of that that seeking here. When Jesus says, seek first. Learn about me. Learn about my Spirit. Learn about how I fill you. Learn about how I work in you. Learn about how I cause you to grow. Because it's not going to be you that does it. It's a partnership between us and God. I have to do my part. He does his part. It's that spirit's power to enable us to work out what he's worked into us. And that chapter 6 there, 25 through 34, notice that there are two real big things here that he's contrasting and comparing here. He says that the Gentiles do this. They seek after these things. Don't be like the Gentiles in verse 32. They eagerly seek these things, but your Heavenly Father knows the things. He, he, so often he contrasts two things, the broad way, the narrow way. There, there's so many two things in here. He's saying you can, you can go this way or you can go that way. The essentials of life, you can pursue those. You can pursue cars and, and well, they weren't pursuing cars. We could pursue those things. You could pursue clothing. You could pursue wealth back then. Or you could pursue kingdom things. And I think Jesus is saying, I'm going to draw a line here between essentials here and the essentials of the kingdom. Which, I don't know, does does that strike anybody as, as unfair? Because I should be clothed. You should be clothed. But should I pursue those things with a passion that, that rivals my passion for God? Yeah. He says, no, you don't pursue those things like that. Even Solomon, like he says, in all of his glory did not clothe himself like one of these. All the wealth that Solomon could, could get didn't amount to anything in reality. In fact, I, I like the, the comparison there. Go over to First Kings chapter 5 and look at Solomon for a second. You're talking about contrasting these two things. First Kings chapter five and verse twelve. I think it's yeah. <clears throat> First Kings five twelve. And the Lord gave wisdom to Solomon, just as He had promised him. And there was peace between Hiram and Solomon, and the two of them made a covenant. The Lord gave Solomon the wisdom that he asked for. Solomon could have asked for what else? Sure. Could have asked for riches, could have asked for. But the beauty of what God does with Solomon is, is God says, That's a great choice. I'm going to give you the wisdom, but I'm also going to give you the other things. I'm going to give you wealth. I'm going to give you these things. God blesses Solomon in his his choice for wisdom, but then he also says, I'm going to take care of you this way as well. I'm going to bless you with wealth. I'm going to bless you with these things. Be wise enough to take care of them. Be wise enough to do what you're supposed to do. He blessed him in more than one way there. And Jesus says to us, seek and you will find me. Learn about me. Ask for me. To help you become more like me. And I will help you not only in the kingdom essentials. But also in your essentials period. I will be there. I will take care of you. He basically says. Jesus is giving you a principle here. That you see throughout the Bible. In fact let's let's look at the principle first. And then I'll tell you what that is. Go over to Deuteronomy chapter 4. There's a couple of verses here. That I think lead, lead us to the principle. That Jesus is saying here in in Matthew 6, Deuteronomy 4.29, one little part of God's word here, he says, but from there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you search for him with all your heart and all your soul. They're gonna seek God, he says, If if you seek me, you'll find me. If you seek me with all your heart and soul, I'm there. Uh, you'll find me. Amen. Now go over to first Chronicles. Chapter twenty eight. David is talking to his son, Solomon, and he says, As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart and a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands every intent of the thoughts. If you seek him, he will let you find him. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. Again, a similar principle. Go over to Second Chronicles 26, verse 25. And your fingers are workout today. Next one we'll time it, okay? Second Chronicles twenty-six, five. This little king here, sixteen years old and twenty-six. He continued to seek God, verse 5, He continued to seek God in the days of Zechariah who had understanding through the vision of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God prospered him. Okay? Psalm, chapter 27. And in this one, we're going to start in verse 7. Go to verse 10. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, and be gracious to me and answer me. When thou didst say, Seek my face, my heart said to thee, Thy face, O Lord, I shall seek. Do not hide thy face from me. Do not turn thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Do not abandon me, nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. Now jump over to Isaiah chapter 55 notice a theme running through these, these verses that I think is echoed in Matthew six thirty three, Isaiah 55 and verse 6. Here Isaiah talks about the free blessings of God and in verse 6 he says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Seek him while he may be found because there may be a time when He's not going to be found for you. But if you seek Him, you just might find Him. Go over to Luke chapter 11. Verses 9 through 10. Here Jesus gives him another principle of, of kingdom living. And he says, and I say to you, ask and it shall be given to you, seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it shall be opened. Now jump over to the last one that I want to share with you, Hebrews 11 verse 6. You probably know that one by heart since it's a common one used, right? Hebrews 11:6. In that great chapter that we call the chapter of faith <clears throat> reminds us that without faith it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe what? That he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. He is a rewarder of those who seek him. Ask And you shall find, knock, door, all of these things, over and over again, I think echo the same principle that Jesus is laying down in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. When he sums up for me what that that whole chapter about kingdom living is about, he says, but seek, investigate carefully. Look for me. Go knocking on doors. And and when you look for me, guess what? You'll find me. And not only will you find me, but when when you find me, I will be a rewarder of you. I will take care of you. This is Jesus saying, this, this principle here is, what you seek, you will find. If you want riches on the earth, you can find that. But if you seek God, you will find Him. And he says, I will reward you. What you seek, you will find. That's what basically what He is saying here. If you choose to seek Me, you're going to find Me. I'm going to, I'm going to make Myself known to you. I'm gonna find you, you're gonna find me. What we seek, we find. Which is why in in the kingdom living, leading up to this this lesson here and looking at Jesus and, and how we should live and how we should act, what we seek is what we find. If we're living to seek Jesus, then we'll find Jesus. If we're living to seek wealth, we'll find wealth. In fact, every morning we get up, we should begin our same day, our day, the same way the Bible begins. How does the Bible begin? In the beginning, God. Every day we get up. In the beginning, God. As I start something during the day. In the beginning, God. Every day, I I am starting fresh with you. Every day, I am seeking to learn more about you. Every day, I'm investigating carefully more and more about you. I'm seeking and seeking and seeking. And what will I find? I will find him who is a rewarder of those who seek him. I will find that, that bread of life sustaining me and giving me the reward that actually I should be working for. That's why when I was reading some other other people writing about Matthew 6.33, and one of the guys was saying one of the questions you can do as a, as a real quick checkup as, as to how you are doing in seeking Jesus and seeking first his kingdom is to ask yourself this question. How do you spend your time and your money? Because how we spend our time and our money can tell us where our treasure really lies. Where's my time going? Where's my money going? What am I investing in here on this earth? And when they, when they talked about that, they brought up this guy here. I'm sure you all know him. Tell me who he is when I put the picture up here. It's not a great picture, but I'm sure you'll recognize him. Who's that? Professor. The professor. From Gilligan's Island, right? The professor and Mary Yeah, it's hard not to sing that song when you. Anyway, this this guy was a genius, wasn't he? The, at least the show cast him as a genius. This guy could do anything. You could, you could, make anything out of out of nothing here. But here's a good question for you: You can make a radio out of coconuts, but you can't patch a hole in the boat. How smart are you, really? You know I, I think maybe more along the lines of of a little bit uh, crazy. I don't think he actually wanted to get off the island, but you got Marianne and, and Ginger there on the island. Why would you want to get off the island too? Beautiful women on an island, yes. But hey.